0: Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. This is my first time seeing you in 2023, so you look good. You look healthy. Last week, Pastor Tim, I was watching live, and that message, God's Next Move, was a message, if you missed it, I encourage you to go back because it's a life-changing message to realize as we're going into this new year, God's got something new for you and he's got a move that oftentimes you would never expect, but when it's God's next move, it's the right move. Can you say, "Amen, How me appreciate Pastor Temo Valence? <laughs> this time of the year I just love. This is the time of the year as we begin 2023, that people begin to look at what we can do differently to make our lives better things that we can do maybe to get healthier. Maybe there's things we can do to make our families stronger. But I want to tell you, the most important thing that you could do as you begin 2023 is how can you be closer to Jesus? How can Jesus be a, a larger part of your life so that we can more be more like him, we could grow closer to him? And I want to encourage you this Wednesday night, The first worship Wednesday of the year, we're going to be starting our 21 days of prayer, and we encourage you to come and be a part of that because I believe that God wants to do something new. God wants to do something different. I believe that 2023 is going to be a year of blessing for not only this church, but for you personally. I guess I'm the only one that believes that. There's something about anticipation. There's something about living faith forward, faith thinking, faith believing. I believe with everything in my heart that this is going to be a great year for not only the church, but for you personally. Amen? So, as we begin this new year, we thought so appropriately to start with a new series called New Thing. God is doing something new. God's doing something fresh. God's doing something that's gonna be so different than you could ever imagine. But it's important that we do something different in areas that we wanna see growth or a difference. You know, the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over and just believing that somehow it's gonna change. I want you to know you do the same things that you did in the last five years, you're gonna get the same result that you've gotten in the last five years. But if you begin to look at what areas are important that you could begin to grow in, that you can develop in, so that you could be a stronger leader, that you could be a stronger Christian, you could be a stronger friend, you could be a stronger husband, you could be a stronger wife, you begin to look at just some small areas and begin somewhere. To make change. So often we look at our lives and we're like, man, there's just so much. I'm just so messed up. I don't know where to start. And it can be absolutely overwhelming on where to begin. But the premise of this series and the foundational thought of this series is in your notes. It's this premise, that it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. We can look at people and friends and people that we admire and we say, man, I wish I possessed that quality. But you see, why they possess that quality, it's oftentimes not what you see in the way that they act, but what they do in the way that they live when no one is even watching. It's those small things that make a huge difference in our lives. One of my closest friends ever was Saul Pitchon. Saul Pitchon was a great man, led the pregnancy center, was on our board for more than 25 years, chairman of our board for more than 10 years, great, powerful man of God. One of my closest friends, he went to be with the Lord last year. And when we were at the memorial, almost every person that got up and shared, shared something very similar about Saul Pitchon. A quality that I admired and a quality that I want to grow in is that every time I had a conversation with Saul, and come to find out it wasn't just me, it was conversations that Saul had with anyone, he would always close with a prayer. I would call Saul just to see if I could get the prayer in first. (laughs) And I rarely got the prayer in first. And at the end of the prayer, I'm like, Saul, the purpose for my call was I'm trying to pray for you first. But let me tell you, when you have a friend that prays for you every time they talk to you, I don't know about you, that's the kind of friend I want to have. Oftentimes when you see me at the front door, there's times that I will be praying with people at the front door. And why do that? It's easy to say, I'll pray for you this week. Do you, get, do you get that a lot? Hey, you'll be in my prayers. You know what I love watching with what happened with the Buffalo Bill player that got so injured and almost died this past week? There was a newscaster that said, a lot of people are saying, I'm praying for Amar, Lamar. What was this person? name? Damar. I'm praying. I'm lifting But yet, are you really? And that newscaster says, you know what I'm going to do? This may not be a popular thing to do, but I'm going to pray for Damar right now. And he said a prayer. And it was a powerful prayer. And it was a prayer that went viral around the nation of someone that wasn't necessarily supposed to say a prayer, even though everyone in America was saying, we're praying for Damar. So, when you say you're praying for someone, I learned from Saul, you stop right there and you pray for that person. That's the kind of person I want to be. It was a small quality, but everybody wanted to be around Saul Pitchon because they knew they got a real friend and they knew that they got sincere and real prayers from this godly man Saul Pitchon. Last year, I lost 40 pounds. Now, It was probably January when I started, and I I remember I got up in front of the congregation. I said, I just want you to know the doctor told me my numbers are bad, my glucose was high, my dad's diabetic, so I was borderline. I got to watch it. My cholesterol was high, and I didn't want you to think I was dying. So I wanted everybody to know. So I used some kind of illustration how God changes you from the inside out. But when I sat down with the doctor, and I said, I don't know if I can do this, man. Because my history, beginning of the year, I'm going. 2015. Big year. I'm going to lose weight. And I go to the gym and I work out for two hours, I'm feeling faint. I commit to God and to my family. I'm probably never going to eat again, anything. And you know how many times I went to the gym that year? Once. I hated the gym. I'm like, I hate you. As I'm leaving, I'm blacking out. And I'm like, I hate you. I hate you. And the doctor said, start with something small. If you want to lose some weight, start with something small. He said, don't eat after 6 p.m. I'm like, but I, I don't get hungry till after 6 p.m. He goes, small thing. And I, he said, cut your carbs, I'm like, does that mean I can't drink a daily 44-ounce Big Gulp Mountain Dew? He goes, yeah, that probably wouldn't be a good idea if you want to lose weight. And I said, uh-oh, I'm seeing, some, I'm seeing a trend. Does that mean I can't have a pint of ice cream four nights a week at 11 p.m.? Even though it was buy one, get one free, and I feel like I got a good deal on it? He goes, just cut your carbs, eat high protein, low carbs, and I started with a program. I lost 18 pounds in a month, and then I just cut my carbs. If I'm eating a burger, I just take off the bread. And you're like, oh, bread, I love that bread. Well, what's happened is within three months, my numbers were all in the normal range. My cholesterol was lower than it was since I was a teenager. It sounded difficult, but it was a small change in the way that I ate, that I lost the 40 pounds. Now, pray for me, because my goal now is to keep the 40 pounds off. So far, I'm doing good. So far, I'm doing good. But sometimes we get so overwhelmed with that big number. It was, I'm like, 40 pounds, that'll take forever. Start with something small, and then watch what will happen. With a small change, big differences will come. Elaine and I, this year, we will be celebrating in June 34 years of marriage. Isn't that wonderful? I know a lot of you, we we got married when we were 12. I'm surprised our parents gave us consent. It was a wonderful thing. No, but it's been a wonderful journey. But something we learned early on. We dated for two years off and on. She broke up with me. She broke up with me in the first year that we dated. Can you believe that? I'm still in shock. I still am in shock. But, you know, I went to counseling. I'm, I'm getting through it. It's cool. It's only 34 years later, you know. But we never argued until our first year of marriage. And in our first year of marriage, we had a knock-down, drag-out, blow out argument where our voices were raised. We were... We weren't screaming, but it was pretty tense. It was pretty intense. It was like when you're cheering for a game, go! You know, it was about that intensity. She called me a name that I won't repeat in church. And of course, I did the godly thing. And I called her a name that won't be spoken in church back. And at the end of this argument, we felt devastated. The person that we loved the most in our life, my best friend, the person I love and committed my entire life to, thinks that I made this. And what we did is when things cooled out, we got together and we made a vow. We will not ever yell at each other again. We're not gonna raise our voice. If we reach a point where we're gonna raise our voice, we'll come back in an hour. We committed that we will never call each other a name again. And we committed that we would never talk about the other person to other people unless it was to each other or with a counselor that was a neutral party to hear us. Those three things we made a commitment to. And with Jesus Christ being the foundation of our relationship and our marriage, we don't have baggage of hurt because of name calling. You know, when you throw out a name, it's hurtful when you yell at someone, it's hurtful. You can't take back what you've said once you've yelled it out. So we've forgiven each other for that one time. But here, almost 34 years later, it was one time. It was a small thing. People would say, that's such an insignificant thing. That small thing caused and saved us so much hurt that so many people deal with because of no boundaries when they argue and name calling and screaming and then that's the way you raise your kids the same way. Small thing that we set early on, but we were committed to, because it's the small things. There's the small things that we do that no one sees in our life that brings big results that everyone sees. People look at our marriage today and they say, wow, you got a powerful marriage, your godly marriage. It's, it's amazing. But there had to be small things that we did behind the scenes in order to grow into the godly couple that God had intended us for us to grow. Can you say amen to that? So today, a couple of things that I want to get accomplished in this message is to kind of give you the foundation of The small things that we do in our life. And then I want to give you an assignment. I want to let you know what's going to be coming up in the next three weeks that will really be life-changing. I encourage you to invite people to come to this, but I encourage you to commit to this next four weeks yourself, because we live in a culture that people go to church an average of 1.5 times a month. And I thought... 1.5, 1.5, what, did they just send their leg one week? I mean, how, how does that work? But th- that's what it is. So I want to encourage you. You want something different. You want something new. Make a commitment and be here. Today I want to start in Zechariah chapter 4, starting in verse 6. During this time th- th- that this was written, it was a very low point of Israel. The temple had been destroyed, and God's people were in captivity, the people were very, very depressed. And this was the year 537 B.C. And King Zerubbabel led a remnant of people back to Israel. He led them back, and that brought a little, bit, a little bit of hope into their hearts. They're back into their land. But then it was another 18 years that they were still in captivity, and God told him that he was going to do something and give him the power to rebuild the temple. So let's pick this up in Zechariah chapter 4, starting in verse 6. It says, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It's not by force, nor by strength. He's telling him, listen, the temple's not going to be rebuilt so that you will get credit, King Zerubbabel. It's going to be so evident that it wasn't about you, it was about God's power and authority. See, it's not by force, it's not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Other translation says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. There's things in our life that we look at and we think that is absolutely unattainable. That is absolutely impossible for me to do. Because we live in a world where it's all about what I can do. I can fix this. I can do this. But We find ourselves trying to do things in our own strength, but yet running into wall after wall. I wanna encourage you in 2023, say before the Lord, even as you begin this year, it's not about what I can do, but it's about what the Spirit of God can do in me and through me. When you inject the Spirit of God into your circumstances, impossible things will happen and things that were unattainable will be attained because it's not by might, it's not by power but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Can you say amen? Amen. Verse seven, nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. You see, notice this, that before construction even began, God already knew and saw the ending before the beginning. I want you to know in your own life, so often we can think, I missed my call. I missed my destiny. I missed the plan that God has for me. I want you to hear me. God loves you enough that maybe you've taken a wrong step but he loves you enough to bring you right back because he sees the ending of your life and your calling and your destiny before you even begin the process of moving into it. That's what's so amazing about God. We fall, he picks us up. We don't know where to turn, and he leads us and he shines a light by his word because it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. One step at a time. Maybe you've taken some missteps, okay? Today, get back on track and begin to take one step towards the Lord and see what God will do. Can you say amen? Verse eight, then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, try saying that 50 times. I'm I'm like saying that two services. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation for this temple and he will complete it. You see, I read the backstory of to what was happening here, and the initial stages of the rebuild of the temple were going very, very slowly and very, very disappointing. In the book of Ezra, it says that people would come to look at the foundation of the new temple, and they would cry. Some theologians said that they were crying because they were so happy that at least it was getting rebuilt. But most theologians believe that they cried because it was so unimpressive, Comparing it to Solomon's grand temple, they couldn't believe how unimpressive this temple was. You see, sometimes we can get up in small beginnings and we can look at things and compare ourselves to other people and feel that we're not good enough, we're not doing the right thing, we're not doing great enough things. Listen, God does not despise these small beginnings. Verse 10, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. November Countryside celebrated 41 years of a church. 41 years. Now, I was there. I was 15 years old the second week the church started. When my family went, there were five of us. We made 12. There were 12 people in a living room. Now, looking at that as a teenager, would I have ever thought that we would be on 20-something acres on McMullen Booth Road in a 2,500-seat auditorium with a youth center that seats 800 people with all the ministry happening, with a preschool with over 200, with an academy with over 220 people? Would that have ever been in my mind? I'm looking around like, I just hope all 12 of these people come back next week. But I want you to know, What built countryside was the Spirit of God was on our church and on our founding pastor, Pastor John Lloyd. He was an amazing zealot for God. And oftentimes he wouldn't even share what God had put on his heart because when he came, even though he saw 12 people, he preached like he was preaching to a thousand. Me sitting there as a teenager, I'm like, this guy's going nuts, and we're just 12 of us. But he preached with vision. He preached with zeal. He preached with faith. And in 1986, five years later, McMullen Booth Road was a two-lane highway. This was a cow pasture. There was nothing here. Nowhere. Who would have ever thought that we would have this major highway with McMullen Booth Road, with the Bayside Bridge, with all of these built-up communities to grow this church to be a church that's now in the top 200 churches of America with our attendance. I mean, to the point that when he rebuilt, uh, when he built the sanctuary, he built the sanctuary with a flat floor. People were like, why don't you do it sloped? So see how our, our seats are sloped in here? You see over there, the vision was Pastor Lloyd knew that it wasn't going to end up being the sanctuary. He knew when he was building it in 1986 that this church is going to be a student center that's going to see three to 500 kids every single Wednesday night. We're going to have a basketball court. We're going to have game rooms. We're going to have all these things. We were looking at him like, what? We're just trying to get 500 people to come to church here. What are you talking about? Youth center? Student center? Well, guess what's happening now? Look at what the Lord has done. In spite of the humble beginnings of seven people week one, seven people in a living room, we are now seeing three to 500 students in our student center. This past year, we have grown over 20 to 25% with our attendance. God's doing new things, God's going fresh things, and it all started with humble beginnings. Don't look at your life where you are and feel hopeless. Because in spite of a humble beginning, God is developing you. He's growing you. He's putting you in a place where you can grow, develop to be who he's called you to be. Look at David. David, you think of David. He killed Goliath. This guy killed the giant. Woo, David. But you know what oftentimes you don't think about? Is all the years that David as a young boy tending the sheep, He killed Goliath with one shot. But he also had to kill a bear and a lion and other animals. I'm sure during that process, he probably missed a few times. But guess what God was doing? God was growing him, and he was preparing him for greatness. You look at Ruth and Boaz. All the women that are single want their Boaz. And they look at that, but Ruth was faithful for years to Naomi faithfully working for her in the fields. And after time and after development, after her faithfulness and after her loyalty, God gifted her with Boaz. Boaz, that that name even sounds like a handsome guy, doesn't it? Boaz. I'm thinking about legally changing my name to Boaz because I just sound, but you see, God saw her heart. He developed her saw her faithfulness, saw her loyalty, and God blessed her with the desires of our heart. You see, God wants to bless you with the desires of your heart, but it only happens when you seek first him and his kingdom and his righteousness, and you're loyal and you're faithful and you become godly and you grow and you're a true friend and you become trustworthy. And you begin to walk in the righteousness of God because that's who we are when we have Jesus Christ in our heart and our lives. We become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. But it takes time. And we live in a world where it's like, turn the microwave on. If I don't get my desires in two weeks, you know what? I'm going down the street to another church. Or you know what? I may not even go to church again. I may get more desires in the local bar. Let me tell you, what you're gonna get in the local bar is brokenness, hurt, disappointment because that's what the world offers God offers true hope. He offers real peace. He offers real joy. But he's looking for faithfulness in his people. Daniel in the lion's den. The faith of a man to go down in the lion's den with absolutely no fear in his heart because he knew that God was with him. How did he know that so surely? How could he go in? If they're throwing me, I'm thinking, man, I got a lot of meat. They're gonna, these lions are gonna feast on this guy. 40 pounds less, but they're gonna still have some good eating. Why did David, or why did Daniel have that faith? We forget that earlier, many, many times it was spoken of the faithfulness of Daniel to pray three times every single day. Think about your life, how different it would be, how much more faith you would have if you would take three times and dedicate that time to God in prayer you'd be able to face the lions in your life just like Daniel did. Can you say amen? There was a book called Wooden on Leadership. It's a book about the great coach John Wooden who coached the UCLA basketball team, men's. Now when he coached, they won 10 national championships under his leadership. They won seven consecutive national championships from 1967 to 1973, unheard of, unprecedented. It was an amazing run. Now, you would think, what would John Wooden's practice look like? It must be so intense. How did that go? He was known for this. His first practice of the season, there there were no drills. There were no layups. There was no free throw shooting. He was known that at the beginning of the season, he would have each one of the players put their socks on very slowly and very carefully, followed by putting on their shoes very slowly and very carefully. That way, their feet wouldn't get blisters. But he was also showing them that this is going to be a team that focuses on the details. The small things that we do with our basketball games is gonna make us the greatest team that's ever existed because we're focusing on the details. So many people, they they don't focus on the details. They focus on making that three-point shot. They focus on all these other things. It's the details that make a person great, and it's the details of a team like this that makes a team great. I have a quote, John Wooden, in this book. It says, it's the little things that are vital. Little things make big things happen. So as we begin 2023, let's look at our lives, look at the areas of our lives that may need small adjust- adjustments, because it's those small adjustments that will make a big difference in your life. So in the coming weeks, I want to let you know what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about our thoughts, our words, and our habits. Really? Is that that important? Oh, Those three areas of our life are absolutely critical to where we're going, the type people we're going to be, the direction we are, the type friends we'll be around, and really the core of who we are as people. You see, our thoughts become our words. Our words become action. Our action becomes habits, and our habits create the life that we're going to live, the behavior that we're going to exhibit, and the destiny that we're going to walk out. So week two, our thoughts. As a man thinks, so is he. That's what the word says. So if you have negative thoughts, you're probably going to turn into a very negative person. If you have mean thoughts, you're probably gonna turn into a very mean person. If you have very degrading thoughts, you're gonna degrade yourself and you're not gonna have very much self-worth. Our thoughts matter. Our words in week three. You see, the power of life and death are and the power of the tongue and the words that we speak. Week four will be our habits. We become what we do repeatedly. What we do over and over and over, that is going to determine how we live our life. But we have to focus on one thing. Don't focus, so many people go, I'm doing 10 things this year, and guess what? You look at those, and you get lost, In at the end of the year, you're like, you know what, I didn't do any of those 10 things. Start with one thing. If you look throughout scripture, you see the phrase one thing over and over throughout scripture because it's so important that the one thing, the thing that's a priority to do that, and then you'll begin to walk out the promises that are followed by that. We look at David. David was known as a man after God's own heart. And the one thing that David wanted, the one thing, was to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You want a heart after God? Then determine in your heart, I want to be in his presence. I want to be in his house. And guess what? The more you are, the more you will have a heart after God's own heart. Paul, you think about the Apostle Paul who wrote so much of the New Testament. Paul went through a lot of stuff, a lot of pain, a lot of disappointment. He was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was snake bitten. He was imprisoned over and over. He suffered massive persecution. He was stoned. And I'm not talking about recreationally. He was stoned with rocks. But he said this, but this one thing that I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God. You see, so many of us, we're stuck in the things that we've done in our past. God's saying, forget about that. For some of you, the one thing you need to do is forgive your past, step out of the shame of where you've been, and begin to walk where God has you to walk. And that one thing, to press towards the high mark of God in your life. Whew, you do that. It'll change things. Jesus encountered a wealthy businessman that wanted to follow Christ and he wanted to change the world. Jesus said to him, you lack one thing. And he says, go sell all of your possessions that are weighing you down and come and follow me. And this is what happened. But the rich young ruler couldn't do that one thing. And because he couldn't do that one thing, he missed his opportunity to change the world, and to change his destiny. So, I normally don't have assignments, but in your notes, I have an assignment for you this week. I want you to pray. I want you to seek after the face of God, and I want you to ask God for one word, and one verse to back that up. One word that you'll put on your refrigerator, or you put in a private place where you have your quiet time, It could be faith, it could be faithfulness, it could be servanthood, it could be friend, it could be marriage, it could be generosity. What is the one thing that God's putting on your heart that will change your life at the very core of your being? Some of you are like, well, how am I gonna find a scripture for that? Google it. Scripture on faith. Scripture's on on friendship. (laughs) Scripture's on anything, it will pop up. There you go you will have a scripture. But seriously, pray, pray. At the beginning of last year, I prayed over you and over our congregation and I felt like God gave me the word foundation. You see, after COVID and all of the different things, we would go to conferences and they would say, never compare your pre-COVID numbers to where you are now because you may never reach your pre-COVID numbers again. I, I didn't believe that. I believe that God was setting our church up for a year of growth. But I was also convicted that the only way we are going to be able to handle that, the stability of that growth, and to put people in their proper positions to continue to grow in a healthy, growing, thriving church, that we needed to work on the very core and the foundation of who we were as Christians. You see, Isaiah chapter 54, verse two, it says, enlarge the place of your tent, Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. So we decided there's not a bunch of new things we're gonna do. We are going to focus on the spiritual growth in discipling Christians to be fully who they are called to be. Now, a lot of you think it's easy for me to get up here and preach to people that don't know the Lord all the way to people that have been saved for 60 years. That's, that's not easy to do. But I also learned that when you disciple Christians to grow, to be all that God's called them to be, they're going to want to be a part of church that is seeing lost people saved. They're going to want to be a part of church so that they know and develop, so that they can begin to lead in small groups and develop discipleship programs around them, and they begin to feed themselves. Because if you're expecting, I, I, well, I'm just about out of my 35-minute time. Sorry. But if you're expecting 35 minutes of Pastor Glenn to develop you spiritually, to be a well-rounded Christian, uh, it it doesn't work that way. But I don't know about you, I wanna be part of a church that every week that the Lord tarries is another week for us to populate heaven with the gospel message. That's the kind of church that I wanna be. So we focus on discipleship. We focus on how can we grow and develop. And I felt so strongly we needed a verse-by-verse weekly Bible study that Pastor Tim graciously said, "Me, I want to do that." And let me tell you, if you come on Wednesday nights with Pastor Tim, they're amazing, amazing experience. We focused on groups. We had groups that we wanted to expand our groups so that we could really grow and develop around each other. Our youth was exploding, but we needed to focus on the individual lives and discipleship in small group with our kids. Helping Hands was at a place after COVID that we really needed to redevelop and really rebuild our our base as far as volunteers, and that grew and developed. Our series from last year, if you look back at the series that were taught week in and week out, they were foundational series that were going to help you to grow and develop to be who God's called you to be. I think the series The Best Way, that was a series on prioritizing to do things God's way. To not do things the world's way, because if you want to do things the best way, you're going to develop a lifestyle that is God's way. And God's way is always the best way. Too afraid to ask. There's so many people that are in and out of church because they can't come to terms with some of the most difficult questions. Those are the questions that we wanted to ask during that series, and we wanted to give answers to those questions. Had so many people, they said, I've always had, they came to terms with that. That was strategic. Strategic. Triggered, that was a series on offense. Listen, if, if your foundation of your walk is offended, you're gonna bounce around from person to person, face to place. but when you allow forgiveness to come into your heart and refuse to be offended, your entire life will be different. From pit to palace, the life of Joseph, where we studied hard that what the enemy meant for harm, God will turn it around and bring glory to his name, not only in Joseph's lives, but our lives. First Comes Love. We were seeing so many broken marriages that were coming and going and things were happening. We like, we've got to focus on marriages and the family unit. And First Comes Love followed by a, a marriage conference. It changed radically many, many lives and marriages, which is the foundation of the family. Joshua, series on leadership to lead. Training camp. How many remember training camp? That was such a good series, basic discipleship 101. You see, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says this. Be on your guard. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Because there is an enemy that wants to chew you up, spit you out, and destroy your life. And the only way you're gonna be able to stand firm is to know God's word deeply in your heart. So when the enemy comes in and tries to destroy you, you have your spiritual armor, and you know the word, and you're able to fight him and get him where he belongs, under your feet in Jesus' name. So what's that one word? What's that one verse? Start small, but be faithful to that one word and watch what God will do in 2023 in your life. In closing, Matthew 25, verse 21. It says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. It's the small things in your life that will make us so much stronger in the larger things that matter most. New thing, week one. How'd I do? Right? Start with that one word and that word, one verse and watch what God will do in your life and in the life of this church. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we close out this morning's service. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word brings life. Your word brings health. Your word brings healing. Your word brings direction. Your word brings hope. So today, God, let the word go deep into our hearts and spirit and Lord, as we choose that word and that verse, begin with the small areas of our life to strengthen our foundation to become who you've called us to be, men and women of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, before I dismiss right now, I just wanna ask you this. For some of you, that one thing is just totally surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been in church and out of church, You see, we're not saved because of church. We're saved because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, for the remission of our sins, and that when we accept and surrender our life to him, we're partnering with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our sins will be forgiven, but beyond that, we're walking hand in hand with your creator. So today... I wanna ask you before we close, when I count to three, you can raise your hand. There were tons of people first service that raised their hand. They said, today's my day. January 8th, 2023, the day that I did that one thing that I've held back, and that one thing was total surrender to Jesus Christ. If that's you today and you wanna be included in this closing prayer, we just raise your hand on the count of three. One, hands are already going up. Two, three, raise it up high. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. I see all your hands. Yep, lots of people. It's a new day. God's doing a new thing. Get ready. Get ready, church. Get ready. Get ready. Because God is up to something great. Will you pray with me? Just pray this prayer after I pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. A God who loves. A God who saves. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Today, that one thing I'm doing is total surrender to you, Jesus. Today, I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, my God, and truly my best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in you and through you in 2023. God bless you, church.
1: Thank you, Pastor Glenn. We just love Pastor Glenn so much. Amen, can you just, yeah. Man, what a pastor. If you would stand with me right now, I'm gonna pronounce a blessing over you. If the altar prayer team would come up right after we dismiss, I pronounce this blessing. I'd like to invite you, if you'd like prayer for any reason, we have prayer team members here to pray for you. And if you raise your hand and pray that prayer for the first time, we also have a free gift for you. It's a book called A Fresh Start with God. We'd like to invite you to take that from us and just start your walk with Jesus with this really good book. But to receive your blessing now, would you just open your heart for the Lord? Maybe lift your hands or just turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May the Lord bless you this day with one word that can be a guide for your year. May the Lord bless you with his word that can guide and infiltrate your heart every day of your life. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We love you, church. Don't forget, Worship Wednesday is this Wednesday.